Welcome back to Technical Talkout. And what a time to be a fan. Like, this is great. This is the best time, I think, in MMA history. We are experiencing a kind of renaissance of MMA. We are getting brand new batches of talent taking over divisions. We are getting promotions who go outside of the system to get us entertainment. The UFC and Fight Island. Like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You know, we are getting just like an output of cards that are just stacked with competitors. You know, we're seeing cards that are going to determine either the championship or like the top contenders. And that's what we're going to talk about because we just have so much MMA that it's, it's almost hard not to talk about. And MMA, the UFC specifically, was the first sport back. They said it. They said they would be. They've been this whole time. We're just now getting other sports as it's July 21st, 2020. We're getting a bunch of new sports. And they're coming back, and that's fine. There's still negotiations on how things are going to work. But, I mean, MMA has been doing it, the UFC specifically, and we've been blessed with all kinds of cards. I mean, just recently in the past, I mean, Woodley Burns, which was a good, fun fight. We like It was good for Burns. It was not a great fight for Woodley. But it's just been fantastic. The amount of cards we've had, let's see, since March. Now, I would say the UFC has been going at it since May 9th. Since May 9th, we've had one. Eleven cards. Since May 9th, we've had 11 cards, a handful of pay-per-views, but it's that's just ridiculous. And the, um, the headliners on those cards and the cards in general, like we had Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker, which was a, just a slugfest, and that was an awesome fight, and that's a fight that could have been a co-main event on a pay-per-view. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of really good fights. Like, again, Woodley Burns. We had uh, Glover Teixeira versus uh, Anthony Slidehart-Smith, like, uh, UFC 249, which was the first one back, we had Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. Like these were ridiculous cards, on top of the under on top of the undercards on them. Like the main card and the undercard, everything has been great. It is just a phenomenal time to be a fan, and I can't be more excited. And if we're just gonna go ahead and you know, we're only gonna go over a few of the cards. I'm gonna start with UFC 249, which was to Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. Uh, let's let's go through. Start with the prelims, right? Not the early prelims. Bryce Mitchell, though. Bryce Mitchell is just fantastic. He is somebody to really watch out for in one thirty or one forty-five. He is a monster. But if we're going here, we can start with, you know, Carlos Sparza beat Michelle Waterson with a decision. There was that was a pretty good fight, but. Pettis Cerrone. Pettis Cerrone was an awesome fight, and personally, I thought Cerrone won. But that just could that could just be my bias. But I thought Cerrone had that fight. I mean, but again, I couldn't be mad at the decision because it was so close, and they were both just they were both doing everything they could to win and look for finishes, and neither of them were like riding. They were they were there to fight, and it was great and good for Pettis. You know that was awesome. Kind of heartbroken that Cerrone didn't take that one, but because that's I think three losses in a row. That's Ferguson. That well, it's four I think because that's got to be Gaethje. That's Ferguson. That's Connor, and now this. And 
you know, four losses in a row that you don't know, even though those were to guys that are all either fighting for the title or have had the title. It's like they're they're extremely tough fights. There there's no doubt about it. So I don't I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I personally feel like Cerrone could keep doing it if he wants to keep doing it. He's dangerous. I feel like he's got the skills to beat anyone in the division. It's just he just sometimes doesn't. And like this time it was a, a decision and you know there were a few times where I was just amazed like like Pettis took a head kick almost clean from Cerrone and that normally puts dudes out but if we go to the main card <clears throat> I mean Calvin Cater and Jeremy Stevens god those guys throw heat it was I knew that fight was not going to go the distance there's no way no way someone was getting knocked out and it was Jeremy Stevens Calvin Cater just caught him with a beautiful elbow and just demonstrated like how good he really is <clears throat> like there there's a lot to be said about that guy but I I just I really really like Calvin Cater I think he's gonna go far in this division and he's gonna be a future champ like that's that's a really exciting fighter right there and he comes he brings it and he is just so technically sound like everywhere we haven't seen him weak yet and his loss against Zabit he looked like and he was going to rally to win if that was a longer fight like he was looking like he was going <laughs> to take Zabit's head off but Zabit took away with it and then we had Nganu versus Jairzinho Rosenstroik i mean Rosenstroik called out Nganu I, I don't know why i don't know why anyone would ever think it's a good idea to call out Nganu but he called him out and he got what he wanted you know that was a a 20 second fight Ninganu just blitzkrieged him and destroyed him, folded him, and it wasn't even like close. It, it was just another, like Ninganu could have caught fought later that night. And we had Cejudo and Cruz. That one broke my heart too because I'm a big Cruz fan. Um, I used to train at Alliance, so seeing him get stopped like that, I mean, he was saying he was on his way up and he was going for it, but that whole fight belonged to Henry Cejudo. Like Cruz landed a few good things, but Cejudo just owned that fight. The takedown. The, the leg kicks, I mean, and he caught him with that knee, and it was just, Henry Cejudo really just kind of solidified that he is the cringe king, but he is also the king. He is the champ, you know? He's Olympic gold medalist, he's two-weight champ, and there's a reason for that, and I think he's going to come back. He said he retired, but I don't buy that. I think that's bullshit. I think he's going to come back. I think he is going to wait for the big money fights. He's too young and at, at too high of... He's at the top. I think Ali Al excuse me, I can't say his name right. Ali from Dominance MMA. Ali Abdelaziz. He's going to he's going to get Henry Cejudo a fantastic fight at the right money, and I think that's what they're waiting for. Cejudo is just tired of being the cringe king for pennies. You know, he's if he's going to go out there and be the cringe king, he's going to do it for some big money. And then we had Gaethje Ferguson, which was just I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. It's like. I didn't know what could have happened. Either of them could have knocked each other out or we could have seen Gaethje get subbed by Tony Ferguson. Like, that was a very real possibility. Uh, I, didn't, I don't recall very many takedown attempts in that fight. I mean, I think I saw Tony Ferguson go for an Iminari and at the behest of, <laughs> or at the instruction of Eddie Bravo saying, maybe go for an Iminari, maybe try an Iminari. It's, his corner did not do him any favors that night and, but Gaethje's did. Trevor Whitman kept Gaethje focused. He reminded him, like, hey, what was when you got you know too relaxed last time, what happened? You got stopped twice. So 
he made Gaethje say that. He said, look, I got stopped twice. So he kept him, he kept his head in the game. And I think that's what won him the fight is he stayed patient. He stayed disciplined. He wasn't gassing himself out going for these bombs, but he was still landing big shots and leg kicks that just tore Tony's leg up. Like Tony did not do it. It just, it was not a fight. It was not his fight. I think in a rematch, it could look different. I don't know if it will, but I, I don't see Gaethje owning Ferguson. I just, he won that night. And if we're going to move on to another card, we can start with, you know, let's go to, on June, let's a Poirier versus Hooker. That was a good fight. An okay card, but that fight was just stellar. Like, God damn, that was probably one of the best MMA fights I've ever seen. It was great. Uh, but the co-main event was Mike Perry, Mickey Gall. Mike Perry just dominated Mickey Gall, surprisingly, in all areas. I thought if Mickey Gall was going to have somewhere where he was going to surprise Mike Perry and kind of you know, possibly catch a win, it would be on the ground. But Mike Perry mounted him. Mike Perry owned him. Like, that was... And Mike Perry only had his girlfriend or wife. Forgive me, Mike, if I'm getting it wrong, but he, he only had her in the corner. <laughs> that guy is just a born fighter. Like, he just got after it. And Mickey Gall couldn't handle him. Mike Perry was too much of a Mack truck that night. He just steamrolled right over him for a decision. But you had Poirier and Hooker. I didn't think Dan Hooker beat uh, Paul Felder. I thought Felder won that fight. I, it, it, again... One of those fights that I couldn't be mad at the decision. It's just not what I thought happened. I thought Paul Felder won that fight. So undeservingly, I thought Poirier and Hooker should not have happened. I thought Poirier should be fighting somebody else. Dan Hooker should not be getting the shot at Poirier. But there it goes. And that fight lived up to the hype. And both guys completely, obviously, I've always been high on Dustin Poirier. But, you know, Dan Hooker really, he really solidified the fact that he is a top five lightweight for sure. Like there is, there's no if, ands or buts about it. He can stand with the, anyone in that division. Um, and he and Poirier just went back and forth. And there were times where I thought Poirier got cracked and I was like, Oh, he's going to get stopped. But he came back and just, they just stood in a telephone booth and traded. But you can tell the shots that Poirier had just had much more power behind them. He, he hits harder than hooker did. So at the end of the fight, like towards the end, I don't know if it was from exhaustion or from all the punishment, but Dan Hooker could not keep up with Poirier's pace. Um, he got some takedown. He got a, quite a few takedowns on Poirier, which I'm surprised at. And he got out of a lot of guillotine attempts, which looked re- one of them, a few of them looked really tight. But you know, Dan Hooker fought and he got out, and I, I thought Poirier was going to finish him. I thought it was going to be an easier fight for Poirier, but it really wasn't. I mean, those guys were trading, but Poirier has some power. And we've always known that. We've seen it. He knocked Gaethje out. Like, it was just... Poirier is a monster on the feet, and his boxing is so good. And that's what I think won him the fight against Dan Hooker. It's it can be, Dan Hooker got all the takedowns on him. I don't think Poirier got him down once. Um, and I thought Dan, I thought Poirier would have a better advantage on the ground, even if off of his back he would be able to fight more. And he was going for some attacks off of his back, and he was staying busy, and he was fighting the wrists. But Dan Hooker still maintained the dominant position on top. Uh, that was just a, a awesome fight. Thank you, Dana White. You've been giving us some awesome, awesome cards. And we just had 
the BMF, the baddest motherfucker, Jorge Masvidal, fight Kamara Usman for the title. And on less than a week's notice, six days' notice, he came in, he flew in, and had some pizza, made weight, you know, passed all the tests, and he fought, and he lost a decision, but he came to fight. You know, you could tell he was slowing down. He didn't have, you know, he didn't have the, the necessary training that you would take take Kamaru Usman on at a five-round title fight. I mean, Kamaru had been preparing for somebody else, you know, and he didn't care who was in front of him, even if it was his, even if it was his former training partner or current training partner, Gilbert Burns, you know, they... He he didn't care who was in front of him. He came in extremely good shape as he always is. He's never he never gets tired ever. And credit to Masvidal's wrestling defense. I mean, goddamn, he fought off so many takedowns, and there were quite a few times where Kamara just could not get him down. And that's a testament to how good Jorge Masvidal is. And if you get him down, he can get up. He's really good at that. And it's just he's. Just a phenomenal fighter. I'd like to see this fight at a full training camp for both of them, but, you know, Jorge's looking for the big money fights, and I'm, I'm glad he got paid. And then another, I think Max Holloway won the fight against Volkanovski in their rematch. I thought Max Holloway might have done enough to keep the, the belt the first time they fought, but this time I, I for sure thought he had won the belt back. I didn't think Volkanovski did enough. I, th- I mean, he got the takedown late in the final round, I think it was, and... I think Max won the belt back, and but he didn't. And, you know, I'm not the only one that thinks that. I'm pretty sure Dana thinks that. A lot of the media, the fight media thinks it. A lot of fighters. It's, I mean, no knock on Volkanovsky. He's a monster, and he's absolutely deserving of holding that belt. I just thought it should have been uh, Max's night, you know. But that's what the problem with judging, and never leave it to the judges. And then you had Peter Jan. Oh, my God. Peter Jan is just a striking like phenomenon. He's so good and the way he did it to Jose Aldo. You know, it was a good first fight. There was a good first part of the fight, but like he just took over like and he stopped him. And he's just that good. I mean, he knocked out Uriah Faber. I, now he's we don't, you know, now he's a champion. We don't know who he's got next. I mean, the 135 division's hot, you know. Cruz is coming off of a loss. Um Garbrandt coming off of that nasty knockout of Rafael Sunsao which was just an extreme highlight in itself. Um, I mean, you have Aljamain Sterling. You have a lot of a lot of really good talent, and then you have uh, guys like Corey Sanhagen who are working their way up. It's one thirty five is great. You're gonna have Bryce Mitchell in a fight or two. You know, looking at contendership or contention. Uh, I just it's just been phenomenal. Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas. Rose won that fight as she should have. She, I, she was on her, like, when she got knocked out by uh, Andrade the first time, it was just a complete kind of, not domination, but it was just, it was Rose's fight. She, the striking, she was on point. Like, she was just better everywhere, but Andrade just picked her up and slammed her on her head. That's, that's literally what happened. That's how she won the fight. It was, there was no technique. It was just strength. That's not knocking on Andrade, I mean, but. Namayumis was the better fighter, and she proved it this time around. You know, she t- took a lot of big hits and really, like, took some punishment. But, you know, at the same time, she proved why she's such a good fighter. And now I think she's getting the fight against Zhang Weili or Weili Zhang, and we're going to see a good fight there. I mean, when uh, Yoana and her fought, or Yoana and uh, Weili, goddamn, that was a good, another good close fight. But you just, you knew that it was going to be 
like a fireworks and Weili Zhang took it, which I thought she deserved the win. I thought she she won. She landed the much bigger shots based just off of looks. I mean, Joanna had that bump on her head the size of Texas. She It was just a much better fight for uh, Weili Zhang than it was for Joanna that night. So, but we are getting some good cards coming up too. <clears throat> I mean, and just recently, outside of the pay-per-views, we had uh, Calvin Cater and Dan Ige, which is a good fight. Uh, Cater, I think, won the fight by decision, but I thought he was going to knock Dan Ige out. We had Figueredo versus Benavidez, which, my God, he looks so good, and Benavidez did not look good at all. You know, he just he couldn't get anything off. Like, he just exposed how easily he gets hit, like the way his guard is, and, you know, Figueredo just popped him. Everywhere he, like, whenever, he he didn't throw a ton. He just knew when to throw, and he, he got him exactly where he needed to get him, and he got him exactly how he needed to get him. But Calvin Cater, Danny Gay, that was a good fight. Um, yeah, I mean, the rest of the card wasn't necessarily for those looking at contention, but that card, I mean, Calvin Cater, I think we see him and Max Holloway next. So, upcoming... Let's see, what do we got coming up? Next fight we have is going to be Darren Till and Robert Whitaker, which I don't know why not many more people are talking about this fight. This is this is going to be an awesome fight. I mean, you have Darren Till, who's coming off of his win over Kelvin Gastelum, uh, where he, he neutralized Kelvin in his game. You know, Kelvin's a really good wrestler, and he's really, he throws heat, and he, he just knocks people out, and... You know, Darren Till did a good job of staying at distance, popping him when he needed, and winning that fight as he should have. But the rest of the card, I mean, Robert Whitaker is coming off of that loss from Israel Adesanya. I mean, that was a tough loss, and it was a big knockout. Um, but Robert Whitaker, he didn't look terrible in that fight. I mean, he just got outclassed. You know, it just showed you how good Israel Adesanya is. Um, and then we have Shogun... Rogerio 2, or is this 3? I'm not sure which one it is, but like that's going to be a good fight, but neither of those guys, are, again, are in for contention. You have Gustafsson and Verdum, which Gustafsson could lead himself to a heavyweight win or a heavyweight title shot, you know? The division isn't that strong um, compared to the others. Like 35, 45, 55, 70 are just extremely strong. Like any one of those guys in the top 10 could be fighting for the belt in the next, you know, year or two, right? With the right win, anyone in the top 10 could be fighting for the belt. The rest of the division is 85. I don't think they'll be moving very much. 205, again, it's just not a strong division. There's not a lot of excitement. It's the same names, kind of just pitter-pattering all over the top 10, up and down a few spots. And same with heavyweight. You know, you have, we're going to get also next month, we're, or in, yep, August 15th, we're getting... Miocic Cormier three, which the first fight was a crazy flash knockout. You know that was that was just an insane. Cormier clinched with him and on, on the break he caught him with that perfect punch, knocked him out, done. That was also Stipe coming off of a loss against or coming off of his win over uh, Nganu, where he took a lot of big hits. And I think that was only like a six month like period in between, so he didn't you know 
his brain didn't get that much rest in between those fights and and Ganu really laid, landed some bombs, but to Stipe's credit, he took him and he won the fight as he did. And then in their rematch, Stipe and DC, DC was doing the same thing. It, was, it looked like the first fight, just DC was controlling where he wanted until Stipe just made a few adjustments, which were just, it changed the world for him. You know, and he decided to start going to the body with that left hook and he, he landed a few times and DC was not blocking it. He just kept taking him and he couldn't do it anymore. And then DC went to the head and knocked him out. And I thought, Damn, he earned that. That was like the DC's win over Stipe was awesome, but it didn't really show how good, how much better DC was than Stipe. Stipe's win just showed a lot more about Stipe than DC's win over Stipe did, if that makes sense. Stipe, like he was more impressive in his win for the fact that he took adversity and he was, he showed that he could make adjustments on the fly and find ways to win. It wasn't just like a flash knockout where you're like, oh, he's so much better than him. It was it was just more like, damn, Stipe stood there, you know, played the game, and got better as the fight went on, and found his way to win. Like, he didn't give up. He didn't, he didn't just stick to a game plan that wasn't working. He said, okay, I'm going to start throwing this left to the body and see what happens. And he connected so many times, and DC just did not answer it. And that's what lost him the fight, you know? And I think I think Stipe's win was more impressive over DC than DC's win over Stipe. Um, and the rest of that fight, we have, again, we have Junior Dos Santos and we have Jair, Jair Zinho, Jair Rosenstroik. I can't say his name, I'm sorry. Um, that's going to be a good fight, you know? Rosenstroik's six, Junior's five, and that, that goes back to me saying the division isn't that strong. When Junior Dos Santos has been up in the top of the division that long, you know, it's, I mean, he, he's not going to beat Nganu. He's not going to beat, um, like, he lost to Overeem. It's just, like, the guys in that top 10 just aren't moving, and there's no young, fresh blood that's kind of, like, exciting the division. But speaking of exciting, we have Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera, and Sean O'Malley is barely ranked 14th, but, God damn, he's coming in hot. Like, that perfect... Like he had that awesome knockout back in March, and then he had a not that beautiful knockout of uh, Eddie Wineland recently. Just that straight right down the middle, just saw it and bam, got him. That's gonna be a good one. We have uh, Magomed Ankalaev and then Jan Kutaleba, Jan Kutalaba, and that's gonna be a good one. You know, the first I think this is a rematch. The first one ended kind of controversially, and they're they're sending it back, and I think that's gonna be a good fight. This this whole fight. This card, I think, is definitely buying worthy on pay-per-view. I'm not gonna wait till I'm not gonna wait till the results come out and not care. I'm gonna buy this one because it is good. It is worth it. But back to the original point of this episode, we as fight fans are living through the most awesome time to be a fight fan. We are getting so many fights and so many cards, it's hard to keep up. Like I like the other just before the Benavidez fight. I was like, oh, that's right. We have a fight tomorrow when I saw the weigh-in pictures. Like, we're just getting so much, and it's awesome, and the UFC's putting it out, and they don't have to worry about renting giant arenas and the gate and all that, so they can afford to put it out. And then a lot of these free fights, like, they're so good. They, like, it's, and a lot of the cards in the free fights are all good. And it's not just like, you know, you do, you do have somewhere it's one good fight and the rest are, you know, up-and-comers you never heard of or looking to make their way, but it's, it's just an amazing time to be a fight fan. 
there's so much out there and there's so much more coming. Uh, I mean, like, I'm excited. And I don't know about you guys, but I think that we well, the best is yet to come. And then down the road, when we have the 155 championship coming back, we have, right now, Gaethje's the interim champ, but we have Khabib who's going to be coming back and, you know, rest in peace to his father. And, you know, the the oh, the Nurmagomedov family, you know, all the respect and love to them, but when he comes back, he's going to be a monster. And Dominance MMA, that management group, goddamn, like, they, Ali is just running that thing great. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's making a lot of money off of them, and he's finding the right fights for these guys. He's promoting them correctly, and it's he's just, the stable of fighters he has that are either, you know, top three or championship fighters, like, that's, that's just awesome. And then, we don't know what stands next because Gaethje is the interim champ and then Khabib is obviously the champ. So they're going to fight, but they're on the same management team. So I don't know what they're going to look to do if they're going to put a, a buffer fight because I don't think Khabib's going to fight before the end of 2020. I think he's going to come back in 2021. So we'll have to see what happens. But as always, you know, thanks for stopping by and I hope you guys had a great time. Keep the MMA fight alive and let's keep going. Technical Talkout Combat Sports Podcast.